Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready? Hello and welcome to Jokes with Mark Simmons, the podcast where I chat to another comedian about jokes they can't get to work. We're here. Joel's back. Hi. Am I talking to you loud, Joel? No, I don't mind it. I was just trying to be enthusiastic. I have felt it. You've, you, You've I lifted cause, me. Because I know you're tired. Yeah. And I'm okay, so I thought I'd I'd try and pick up the bring me to your okay level. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Doesn't sound it, but <laughs> um, yes, you're back. Where were you busy last week? You've been busy. You've been a busy, busy little boy. I'm a busy aren't boy, you? yeah. I'm busy a busy little, little boy. boy. Yeah, buzzing around. Buzzing. You, you were talking about me being a buzzy little bee, buzzy pollinating little bee. other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. You got, got a bit weird your intro last week. Did it? I yeah. Said, yeah, I didn't listen back to it. I, no. I was just, I'm not, I don't like doing them on my own, Joel. I, I can tell. I like doing them with it you. They always sound like a hostage tape or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, buzzing around, pollinating other podcasts is a nice analogy. Yeah, it's quite fun. Is it an analogy? Yeah. If it's talking about podcasts still, so the mm. bee bit is an analogy. Yeah, the I'm bee bit sure is definitely an analogy. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so. You've been good. Thanks. Yeah. I've, You've been oh, great. I, I haven't asked. You, are you good? Good. Yeah, sorry. This is all yeah. over the shop, isn't it? Yeah. Um, good. Yeah, yeah. Busy. Nice. Yeah, it's a bit all yeah. lovely. Um, are the Christmas gigs coming thick and fast? Uh, today's the first one. Um, so, last week, Ed Byrne. Ed Byrne. I had loads of great Baby feedback Byrne. about it. Um, he was I've, great. I've had loads of stuff on my... I, I can't go back and find the... Inf- I Basically, loads of comics have said to me that... Um, they've really enjoyed the episode mm. and the Milton one. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few people have told me they they some really big liked. hitters. Yeah, and big hitter this week, Joel. That was my segue. Did you like it? Well, it's ruined now. You said that. No. Yeah. It's, well, this whole show's about the craft. I'm just furthering that to the craft. The podcast craft. Yeah. When you're out pollinating your podcast, <laughs> is that something you learn? Is that something you learn when you're buzzing around? You can't teach. You can't be taught that, mate. It's innate. <laughs> you don't teach a bee to pollinate. No, no. Yeah, so it just does it. That kind of sounded all right, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, this week, Gary Delaney. Awooga! Awooga. Hashtag awooga for Gary Delaney. Um, we oh, it was in. We did a live podcast in Thursk. Uh, and it was it's called the uh, the Podcast Social Club. And it, they, they ran like a couple of days and it was just loads of podcasts all yeah. going on. It was brilliant and it, well attended. It's very good. Uh, we we were really chuffed with how many people came to to watch. Um, I haven't listened to it back. Can you hear that there are people there? You can hear that there are people there, yeah, and just, you can hear 
that they're enjoying themselves. Oh, you can. Oh, yeah. good. Because you never know how much the mic picks up. But it was a really good, fun show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it gets super geeky, I think. Would you say that, Joel? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also, what I normally do with the live shows is, uh, and at the beginning, oh, 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 I've got a segue here, Joel. <laughs> I've got a segue coming. So normally what I do I with wait. a live show yeah. is, and I'll tell you in a second, because it just reminded me that we've got a live show. Oh. If you're, if, look at that segue. If you're listening to this on the day it was released, the first yep. day, and you're thinking, tonight, what should I do tonight? Yeah. At 6.30. 6 what, you finish work at 5, 5.30? You could get along to Angel. Yeah. To the Bill Murray pub. Easy. Why wouldn't you want to go to the Bill Murray pub anyway? Love it. It's, it's, about, it's, it's about comedy. The pub is about comedy. <laughs> it's called... Bill Murray. Exactly. Uh, and he's a comic actor. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he, Joel? <laughs> Very good one. I didn't actually know for a long time that it was named after Bill Murray, the Shut comedian. Up. Of course you did. I thought that must well, just be... a comedian. Is he a comedian? This of is course a he's a comedian. Was he a stand-up? Mm, don't know. So is a comic actor a comedian? Mm, good question. Is a good question. Tweet us. Uh, tweet us at jokes for Mark. Is, is Bill Murray a comedian? <laughs> is Bill Murray a comedian? <laughs> Mark Simmons says Bill Murray not funny. I did not say that. <laughs> funny actor, but is he just saying what funny people have written? Mm. Does that make uh, him? Aren't some stand-ups just that? I'm not going to comment on that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. All right, no, you're not. But. Well, good to know. But, yeah, good question. Because that makes this podcast really interesting because you'd be doing jokes other people have written that don't work. <laughs> yeah, which is really stupid. Yeah. Don't pick those ones. <laughs> pick the good ones. Um, so, um, yeah. Bill yeah. Murray, 6.30, yeah, see 6:30, you there. 6.30, see you there. Just turn up on the door. There'll be tickets, I'm sure, available. It's a, quite a big room. Um, and it's uh, Gareth Richards, Exciting. Edinburgh Award Newcomer nominee. Uh, you've heard him on Frank Skinner's radio show. Mm-hmm, I have. You've heard it. You've seen him on Russell Howe's Good News. I did. And you've seen him in Edinburgh every yeah, year. Exactly. Great stuff. Good stuff. Good, Brilliant solid stuff. stuff. Let's get on with Gary Delaney. Yeah, I get on with him. He's, we get, we've got a lot in common. <laughs> we both like one-liners. Here he is. So, before I bring Gary out, what I thought I'd do as a little warm-up, as kind of just to get in a joke mood, I've been writing my new show for next year, so I've got a list of jokes here that I don't know if they're going to be in yet. So I, I could test them on you, and then the ones that don't work, maybe we'll chat about. How's that sound? Good? Yeah. Cool. Give me two if you like one-liners. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. So, uh... uh I was doing a crossword the other day. I said to my girlfriend, the clue is lemon carbonated drink. She said, seven up. I said, no, six across. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, I'm ticking that one. <laughs> that one is getting a tick. Um, so my favorite thing about going to the hairdressers is, oh, guys, why are you late? I've got to start again now. <laughs> You're right. Thumbs up. Do, do you know the podcast? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> he, he went, no. <laughs> Cool, welcome, 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 welcome. Is it, I, I can't be bothered. <laughs> so I'm just doing some jokes to sort of warm you guys into it a bit. So my favourite thing about going to hairdressers is uh, the head massages. Although some people find it uncomfortable because I don't work there. 
All right, not so bad. Not, not as good, that one. Right, I think let's, let's just get cracking with the podcast. We have got a wonderful guest. We are very lucky. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm over the moon that he's coming to do it. Uh, please uh, put your hands together. Well, stage, Gary Delaney. <laughs> Here he is. Gary Delaney is in the house. Hello. I, I've been hidden in a little stationery cupboard. It's, quite, it's been quite good fun. <laughs> How's it going, Gary? Yeah, things are good, mate. Things are good. Look, I've got two cups of tea. You, you I, have, yeah. yeah. I'm ready to fuck shit up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got water. Um, so, uh, any thoughts on those ones, Gary? Yes. Um, oh, good. Uh, C- can you fix any of them? Yeah, well, I can try. I, I mean, they're good, but the, t- tell me again the hairdresser one. Um, my favourite thing about going to hairdressers is the head massages, uh, although some people find it unco- uncomfortable because I don't work there. Right. You've got an ambiguity in there you can remove. Okay. Why is it your favourite thing about going to the hairdressers? Why isn't it people's favourite things? Because you go to the hairdressers, you, 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 it's your head massage and you don't work there, but you can still go there and get a head massage even though you're not a member of staff. But if you said most people's favourite thing about going to the hairdressers is head massages... Yeah. Then it's more. Then it's more obvious that it's you doing it. You lose that ambiguity. Ah, it's what, a bit what like was the bridge. A... What was the middle bit of that one? Sorry, I'm pointing it in my pen. You know what? I, I don't know it well enough. To, um, anyone remember the middle bit? <laughs> <laughs> um, hairdressers. Although, oh, actually, this changed quite a few times. So it, at the moment, it's some people find it uncomfortable, um, which actually. I've changed it since then. Right. That's no longer the wording. Ah. Because the uncomfortable, I think, made people think, like, literally uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I changed it to weird, and that made it work better when I've tried it. So, so you'd be like, f- so it's, I, I do it as, like, most people, uh, you know... I love, love, the favourite bit. Most people like getting a, a, you know, a massage at the hairdressers, but some people aren't so keen, probably because I don't work there. And then you've removed the U from it. It's that is much better, isn't it? <laughs> so this is basically, just so you know, this is why I created a podcast, so other people can make my jokes work. So, well, I don't know if it's as sharp as it needs to be, but you got, you got a joke is misdirection, right? So you're trying to send people along a specific train of thought. Yeah. And the more ambiguity you can remove from that, the more you can send them on the exact line that you want for a more of a swerve when you when you switch the tracks. Yeah, yeah. So, so anything that's ambiguous is wasting their mental energy on on considering a possibility that you don't want them to be considering. Also, so you can remove that. And I say, you know, I think. Sorry, I think you're because. So basically, I did the podcast with Milton Jones uh, a little while ago. Yeah. And he was saying the difference between us and some other comics is they get sort of, they get the audience on an emotional sort of roller coaster. But you almost are doing that a little bit there. You're getting them emotionally invested as they're thinking, yeah, we do like that. Rather than just me saying, I, I like it, by saying, you know, most people like the head massage, and, and there's a group there going, yeah, yeah, we oh, do. Okay, that's interesting. So, well, I, th- so I, I think that's what... I, don't, I, I, I listened on the way here to your interview, Milton, I thought that mm. was really good. Uh, and he has that point in that a part of most stand-up is whether the comic identifies with the performer and buys into their story and likes them and, 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 and is sort of on side. Yeah. Which is easy if somebody's talking about their life and their likable character and talking about real things because you can identify. You can say, well, I've had those you know, discussions with my wife or whatever it is, or I've had that trouble or that. You know. Yeah. It's harder when you're dealing in abstracts. And pretty much everything that we do is abstract and it's just about language and there's no meaning or point of view in it. Yeah. So I don't really consider any of my jokes as having anything for people to buy in but they may anyway. Yeah. I, I can be sort of surprised by how that... All right, I, I like things I can measure and work out. Mm. And I would consider that a comedy show, if a one-liner comedy show is a technical structure with a, a series of jokes put into a structure where you think works and then, you, and then each 
punchline should work and you get the laughter and you tot it up and that's your show. Yeah. And I wouldn't have considered up until about four weeks ago that it contained a particularly large element of goodwill. Uh, okay. However, I did a show at the Hawth in Crawley. Mm-hmm. And it was I like, I was just in, in, in the studio there. It was, it, was, it was the third time I'd done it on this tour in this little tiny studio room about this size. And it's Absolutely a weird massive. Setup. Yeah, massive, yeah. So, you know, Full, sold out. Two or 3,000 people in, right now. <laughs> so it's like a little 150 seater and there's no stage. You're just on the, on the um, you know, on, on, on basically on the floor in front, in front of people. Some of them, are, most of them are banked and you've got, I've got a screen behind you for me to do my computer bits to start oh, yeah. getting bored after 30 minutes. <laughs> so, so I'm doing that and I'm setting up the show and I come out, I do a bit before the support to mm. relax me and to get some jokes and just oh. to try out some new bits and stuff. So That's interesting. That's exactly the same as Milton does. Yeah, yeah. I really love it. It's my favourite bit of the show. And because my point was hit to him was, I guess that's because it breaks up the one-liners. You've got a few one because quite often if you do too many one-liners in a row, I mean, even I watching a one-liner comic start to sort of my mind wanders. But that way, by breaking up with a different sort of act... Other things being equal, every one-liner will get slightly less than the last. So you get diminishing returns, which is fine if you're only doing 20 minutes, you're doing 100 jokes or something. By the time you're doing 200 or 250, yeah. that diminishing returns problem is quite pronounced. So whenever you watch a one-liner comic doing a longer set, you're looking to find what solutions have they found to the problem of diminishing returns. So Milton uses character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Tim Vine will use his songs and his prop jokes. Uh, Jimmy Carr, Frankie Ball would use a lot of audience work. Dimitri Martin would use little guitars and bits of songs. Yeah. So there's all sorts of little devices. I use a lot of uh, you know, PowerPointy stuff and just take a lot of jokes and present them visually rather than by ear, and that really works. So I, I use all that stuff for pacing purposes. That's why there's a big screen behind me. But, but this bit at the start of the show that I was doing, is really just a an intro to set things up for the sport it's my mate i want him to have a nice time mm. b i do it because it relaxes me i go out and all i'm really doing is teeing up the show and hey there'll probably be some jokes coming along but there's no pressure on it so when i do some funnies and they relax and then then i relax so then i haven't got to worry about it, it takes all the pressure off the opening line later on because i've already done a bit ah. so that bit started off as two minutes and is now probably about 15 uh, and i do quite a lot of jokes in there i'll probably do 50 or 60 uh, and, I, and I put in some new bits, which is what all these sheets are, is one of these per week of all the little bits new This bits. is what I love about so, it. Oh, sorry, you sorry, carry, carry on. No, no, you carry on, carry on. I'll come back to that. But uh, I was, so I was at Crawley, and I was doing some stuff, and I was about five minutes in, and it was going well. And then there was a spider <laughs> on the stage, <laughs> right? A little spider. In cry, in cry, you know what? <laughs> if I'd have thought of that at the time, I might have saved the situation. Just, to cla- just so everyone knows, an audience member said, crawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know... Yeah, that, I'm really annoyed I didn't think of that. <laughs> and I've clearly been ruminating on this for a month and going in completely the wrong direction. I should have gone for Crawley. Well, it's good to be humbled. We did talk about that earlier, saying so you should listen to everybody's joke suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I get annoyed at comics who are too arrogant to, to listen to... Yeah, sometimes people somebody put a joke on Twitter and go, I can't believe people are uh, oh, commenting on it or suggesting how I should improve it. And I always think, how arrogant are you are that you think you're a better joke writer than everyone else put together? Yeah, yeah, Listen yeah. to them, you know. So, uh, Crawley, well done. <laughs> Uh, Gary's writing that again, down. I'm nicking that, yeah, totally. <laughs> so this spider starts walking across the front of the stage. And it's interesting, because I'm going, right, well, what are my options? It's quite visible to everybody. It's far enough, cl- it's close enough to me that it's lit by the spotlights. Mm. Everyone can see it. We're very early in the show. I don't know where the spider's going to go, right? <laughs> it could wander around quite merrily. It could go under the seats. It could become the whole rest of the show. It could be people wondering and worrying about where the spider is, mm-hmm. right? So, and I've also got limited options in terms of getting rid of it. I've got to stop the show, and you think, what do I do? Put it under a, a glass and, you know, get rid of it that way? You go, well, I haven't got a glass. Well, I've got a glass, but it's got water in it. Uh, so that's quite disruptive as well, and I'm, I'm trying to build up the show, get some rhythm. I've chucked in quite a bunch of jokes in a row. I've got things going. Mm. And so I think I'm putting all of these at risk. Plus, if I just ignore it, I'm at risk of looking weak. 
and, and, and losing, losing their faith in me. <laughs> and genuinely, though, if, if, they, if, if I look like I can't handle it, they'll go, well, maybe his jokes aren't that funny. Belief is a big element of jokes. So I, I'd be shaking that. So I thought, what do I do? So I trod on it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that is what happened. Now, I then, I could see that I'd made the wrong decision. Oh. I made a couple of jokes about it. Uh, I didn't think of the crawly one, and I did a few jokes, and then, and then I did my bit, and it was going all right, and then I bought all my support, and he did a bit, and then we had a little break, and I came back, I did the show, um, and I started off the show with something I wrote in the interval, uh, an announcement from my, the, my PR lady had asked me to read out uh, yeah, apologising to the spider community and saying, you know, that's not the sort of person that I am and all this sort of shit. And it got a laugh and you go, so comically you think that should be dealt with, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I know it's a good venue, I know it's been a good crowd, I know how well it goes and I know that that particular section of the show is one hour. However, I also know that on a responsive night it will run to one hour five, one hour ten, depending on how much I'm mucking about and in particular how big the laughs are. The laughs take up a lot of the time on stage mm. and I record every show so I knew that all four shows before that Crawley show had been exactly one hour, seven minutes. So I did the show and everything worked, every setup, every punch, everything clicked into place, mm. but there wasn't the warmth that you would normally get. And I would never really consider that to be a factor in my sort of comedy, which I view as a technical process, but I could tell it was absent in a way that I can't notice it's normally there. You know what I mean? But yeah. when it was absent, I fucking noticed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that show, was exactly, that show was exactly one hour. So there was seven minutes of warmth that disappeared from the room when I tried to <laughs> I could calibrate exactly. I lost exactly seven minutes of goodwill. <laughs> maybe you could help with climate change. Yeah, may, maybe, maybe. So that, so that was really interesting. And I, so, I, so that warmth I don't was there in the first few five minutes, Yeah, it was in say? the first five minutes. Wow. And so, yes, yeah, so it was interesting. And I got that partly because I guess I had some goodwill. People had seen before, they were already on side. I start off mucking about and it's a little bit chatty. Yeah. And I wouldn't have considered there was any sort of emotional buy-in with what I do, which is why I seem to odd that you're talking about the emotional buy-in on that joke, because that doesn't gel with how I think about jokes. Yeah. However, there is an element of it, whether it's to the performer or the jokes, or whether it's just the fact they've decided they like you or they trust you or whatever it is. Mm. And I only noticed it when I pissed it away. Yeah. And I've been going nearly 20 years, and that was a really abrupt lesson. And I was yeah. like, oh, hang on. Here's a thing that because it wasn't visible to me, I'd completely ignored it. And it was made very visible to me, and I could measure it. And I know that stepping on a spider costs you seven minutes of goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... Wow, that's, that's fascinating. But that's what I love about the job is you, you're always learning something, always. I learned something today. Yeah, um, yeah. I, in fact, which the same, I love the fact that we, we picked up on the same things. It was pretty much the first thing I said to you when we arrived. And yeah. well, you, know, you said it to me before I even said it. Mm. So I was listening to the interview with Milton Jones um, and he was talking about um, acting out jokes and he mentioned his Druid joke, which mm. is a lovely joke. How, how does it go? Uh, something like, um, oh, my parents had to make a lot of sacrifices, lot of sacrifices you know, uh, because they were druids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've only ever heard him do that joke. <clears throat> I'd never seen him do that joke. Yeah. And Milton explained that, um, I didn't see it because I wasn't there, but you were there. So he acts it out, doesn't he? A thumb yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of sacrifices and he points just just behind him. Right. And, and he says that that is basically literal misdirection. So... If, if you're doing a show and the, the audience, if they're like fans of one-liners, they do start to try and see where you're going really with a joke. So for me, if I, if I was watching that and never heard the joke before, I would think he's going to make a sacrifices joke as soon as he yeah, said yeah. they made a lot of sacrifices. Of but by doing the point, 
He takes people's attention well, away from it. Well, you're imagining that they're pointing at their house or their car or yeah. whatever it is, some sort of symbol, their second-hand TV of, yeah, yeah, of the yeah. sacrifices they've made. And it's wonderful because that's not a sort of, not something that's normally in the, the one-liner land. No. Uh, so normally you'd look at it and go, well, hang on, that should be a redundant body movement. That should detract from the joke. It's, it's, it's a movement that's not part of the storytelling, which in mm. theory should slightly diminish the return from the joke, but it's not. It's increasing there because it's making it deliberate. Um, and it, yeah, it is part of it. So, but it's really interesting. I'd never heard an action used as part of the misdirection. Typically, when somebody acts out a joke, they act out a scene. Um, a joke gets a bigger laugh if people can picture it in their heads as they hear the words, and a technique that a lot of comics use, not particularly one-liner comics, but mostly observational comics. Think of um, uh, your man Richard Pryor, something like that. Is mm. They act out the scene. They have the, the, the character voices, and they'll often stand to the left and stand to the right. And, do, and you know, it's, it's a really powerful technique to literally act out what you're doing. And often you will do the joke and then you just repeat it as actions and words. And it gets a really big response. People can see exactly what it is and it gets a big laugh. And I've seen lots of comics use that technique to explain a joke, but I've never heard anyone use it as the misdirection. Never heard mm. that technique used as something deliberately false put in there as a red herring. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. So that was my thing I learned mm. today. I try to learn you know, a thing like I don't know, yeah, every time I watch a comic or, or talk yeah. to them, I go, well, what have I learned? And I learned that off Milton. I was like, wow, that's amazing. But it is brilliant because, like you say, you've been going 20 years and you're considered what like in the top 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 joke writers in the country and you still learn something like I, is, I think that's great. I think I've only got good in the last three years I've only worked out what I'm doing um well we've got that's, that's a similar theory because we were talking about that earlier because my show last year was me going through a lot of old notebooks of ideas that I wasn't good enough to actually yeah. make work and I suddenly I'm now I'm a better writer I, I made them work, and you, you said exactly the same thing. My upstairs. last two shows were about half of old jokes that I couldn't make work when I started off. When you start off as a new comic, your ideas are good. Mm. Your ideas are as good as anyone, you're, but you haven't got the execution, you haven't got the toolkit to fix them. So you go back and you go, right, can I make this into a funny thing? Can I fix this idea? So I would go back and just try and fix it. That's why I've got these piles of paper. This was, I, I picked up, just, I went into my office, just picked up a pile of stuff this morning to find some jokes to talk about. And I've got lots of, I've got literally boxes of this sort of stuff. Um, and, and is that all, there's some A jokes within these, are there? Yeah, these, these are mostly, um, there's some new material nights like that. So they're a smattering of A's to D's. So we, we grade things in the same way. And it might be, I might have listened to an interview with you years ago and picked that up off you because I go A, B. I don't have a C or anything. Uh, I just, no, I get, well, no, I start off. Not, not that I'm too good. If, <laughs> if, if, if it's a C, I usually go, mm mm. But. Right, but, but yeah, right. Well, I, I go A, B, C, D. So <laughs> A means I'll use it, that'll go in the show. And if you're doing it at a new material night where you've got the false air of support where people are giving you extra credit because they know it's new, like they're watching with improv, they're giving it a better response than it probably deserves. So it kind of needs to be an A. It needs to be getting at least a few people clapping to stand a chance of making the step up into the set. Right. And then you go, uh, then below that, a B, a solid laugh. C, some people laughing. D, I usually say deny I ever said it. D, <laughs> awful. So, so, what, so I do a new material like, like these. That was uh, hot water in Liverpool a few weeks ago. Fairly typical, but it's about 60 or so jokes in there. Yeah. And I did that. So this, this was all written... Like I, I wrote those. Gig. I wrote those that day, or you know, I tried. I went through all the ideas in my phone, turned them into jokes. Um, so I, I, I had the basic crux, of the idea. Or I had the little yeah. bit of language or the idea or something. I thought that I had 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 a weakness in it, had a flexibility. So I was like, here's a thing. Here's something that's an ambiguous bit of language or a phrase we're used to interpreting in a certain way or a pun that I can turn and I can change. So I, you know, I turned it into jokes. I put it at the end and I hid it, or I put it in the middle and, and flipped right. the reverse. And I, I worked them all out and I jotted it down to fifty or sixty, and then I went through. 
and I tested them on hot water and some of them I looked at and was like, I'm not going to say that out loud. Yeah, okay. That's yep. too bad. <laughs> uh, some of them I said out loud differently because I didn't, you know, I looked at it and was like, and in the panic of the moment, you go, hang on, that's not good enough, but I can say it like this. Mm. So then you'd go through and you go, that's why you record them and you go through and you rewrite how you speak because there's a tendency to write how you write, i.e. properly, how you were taught at school, and then to speak what you wrote, but that's not how people talk. And joke writing should go in reverse. Yeah. You write, you should write how you speak. So when you say it out loud, you'll probably say it differently. So then you go, right, well, listen back to it and then go back and write it that way. Ah, that's interesting. Because that's not how, that's not how we talk. Yeah, And yeah. it's those flexibilities and inaccuracies in language that give rise to a lot of humour. Uh, contractions mm. and things that are false. So, so I, I'll come back to a point on that in a minute. So I've got, sorry, I'm, I'm scattering around on too many things. So I had, but this was this was a batch of about 50, 60 jokes. I was doing them at Hot Water in Liverpool. They got an early and a late show, and there was um, uh, another show in a little room upstairs. So I could do it three times, a 10-minute ah, set. Perfect. So I did it forwards in the first one, backwards in the second one, because you get diminishing returns within a 10-minute. The more jokes that fail, the more scepticism you get in an audience for the reaction to any given joke. So if you do a second one on the same night, you start on the last joke. Yes, okay. And then, and then between the two, you get a better grading. And as you can see on these, they've all got A, B, C, D written on them. Some of them just so scientific, I love out. it. Uh, and then, so then you go, right, so that, that's my little list on here. So that's a new material list. So how does it change into a, a Mr. Mahood list for a show? Which is Mr. my Mahood? weekly. I'll come back to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I should write, make notes just to so pick this, you up on this, it. This is a weekly Mr. Mahood list, and these are just the A's and the B's. So when I'm doing some stuff <clears> on a tour show, I can't do C's and D's because they've paid. <laughs> but I, yeah. I can figure out which ones are A's and which ones are B's. Yeah. So I do, I do these as a little testing ground at the start of the tour show. So that becomes a Mr. Mahoochie. Why is it called Mr. Mahood? It's because um, I, went to, I was at the Northwest Comedy Awards many years ago and there was a Les Dawson Award for comedy. And the guy introducing it did a little a few of Les Dawson's jokes. It was Ted Robbins. Um, mm -hmm. And he did a joke. And I thought it was a great, it's a classic old school joke. I don't know if it was Les Dawson's or whoever. I've seen Ken Dodd do it as well. It's a wonderful joke. I'm sure you've heard it about saying, oh, I, I, you know, a bit of an announcement. We've got, uh, we've got Edna in, and uh, it's a round of Edna. She's 111. And everyone goes, oh. And you go, oh, no, sorry, my mistake. She's ill. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh. And that's a great joke, isn't it? It's oh, wonderful. That's what lovely. A wonderful, wonderful <laughs> joke. And I saw that, and I thought, wow, that's good. And why is it good? Well, it's good because <clears> it's a great joke, but it's more than a great joke. It has two other advantages. It is a change of pace because it gives you an excuse to pull out a piece of paper and to read a note. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a texture change. It's like um, uh, you're a man, uh, uh, oh, letters to my Irish mammy. Who was that? Odd, odd Wellies. Uh, Wellies. Uh, Jimmy Cricket. Jimmy Cricket. Cricket. Yes. So he would do his <laughs> letters to his Irish mammy or whatever, or a phone call. Um, and they're basically one-liners, but they're structured in a thing. Yeah. And they're presented in a slightly different way. And they're the same jokes, but they're slightly packaged. So you get, you're slightly getting over that diminishing returns problem. Yeah. So that's another benefit that people had of doing the ill 111 joke. So I looked at that and I thought, I like the technique. How can I use it? So I wrote a joke. And the joke, a joke that gave me an excuse to pull out a piece of paper. Right. Um, the piece of, and, and, so, and the joke I wrote was... Um, a venue asked me to read out a notice that uh, we'd like to apologise unreservedly to the hen party we had in last night that we did not provide the stripper Mr Manhood they'd been expecting. Mm. We would also like to apologise to Mr Mahood for any embarrassment <laughs> that may have been caused. So that's, so that's the joke, right? But, so, and, and you've got a piece of paper. It's not just a prop, it's not just a device. You've also got a piece of paper in your hand. And that means you can write your new material on it and anything you're trying to crowbar into the show. 
Yes, yes, so yes. So that's presumably was the logic behind the ill 111 joke. It gave a performer a chance to pull out a piece of paper in a show. Mm. So not only have they got a good joke, not only have they got a change of pace, but also they're getting a chance to look at the three or four new jokes they're sneaking in. So I did that Mahood joke for a few years, and I would pull out a piece of paper that had on it. Obviously, you learn the joke. The piece of paper didn't have that written on it. The piece of paper had on the three or four jokes I was sneaking in that night. Mm. So now I always call these like my Mahood crib sheets. My favorite thing about it is Mr. Mahood was a real man, because uh, he, he was a fucking knobhead. All right? This is where the joke came from, because um, when I when I was uh, living in Birmingham, there was a there was a, a, a sort of an event on there by um, Al Mahajaroon, who were like an Islamist group who are just shits, right? Mm-hmm. And Mr. Mahood was one of their speakers talking about how he fucking hated gay people or whatever. And there was a post over it at the end of my road, and I went past it and thought it said manhood. So that was where the joke came from. Amazing. And I thought, it's really weird. There's a guy called Mr. Manhood who you'd think is like a stripper or a (laughs) gay stripper or something like that talking about a list of rather socially conservative issues. (laughs) So so Mr. Mahood was a real speaker at an Al Mahajaroon conference and I quite enjoy the fact that it's it's based on a real man. So all of my cheat sheets are called Mr. Mahood and they're all the A's and the B's. And every week on tour, I run through those and I I do some of the A's and B's to figure out which ones are really A's. Ah. So yeah, so that's that's what this is. This is a pile of... So out of, of those 60 of just brand new ideas, how many do you think ended up A's and B's? Uh, I keep 5%. 5%? Yeah. Okay, so that's... So, uh, yeah. Three? So, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Maths. So, yeah, it's... Uh, and I, and I, I always thought... That that's not a, many out of 60. Well, it's not. But 5% yeah. is my normal sort of hit rate. And maybe it's yeah. slightly higher now than it used to be, but it's pretty low. And I always felt a bit of a, a failure on that, going, well, my hit rate's not high enough because I've heard other one-liner comics say that they keep a higher percentage of what right. they write. But I was listening to a, a, a podcast with Anthony Jeselnik okay. talking about some he's stuff. He's a really good uh, American kind of, comic. Anthony Jeselnik's the best joke writer in the world right now. He's mm. absolutely outstanding. Mm. And Jeselnik said that he keeps 5%. Oh. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Good yeah, enough yeah, for yeah. Jeselnik, good enough for me. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah, you get, you get all these false positives when you're writing jokes. You get things that work really well. And I know something you talked about on here before, a joke that works really well the first time out or the first couple of times mm. out and then never works again. Or, you know, or something that just works too inconsistently. And, you know, so, yeah, I, so that's what all of this is. And a lot of it is just to give me a, re- a very visual reckoner of trying. You can see these have got ticks, they've got crosses, they've got circles, they've got A's, they've got B's, they've got C's, they've got D's. If I'm previewing a show, every joke is on a cue card. Um, and because you tape your shows to listen back to it, but often you don't have the time. Plus, it's not very nice to listen to your own voice and listen to shows I don't like it. Yeah. So I will have the, sh- the cards and I will write on every night A, B, C, D as I do the joke, mm. and sometimes even a comment as well. Um, and then you try them in different positions. You know, Some jokes only work in some posi- positions in the set. Pretty much any joke should work in the first third of a set. Yes. Very few jokes are going to work in the last third of a set because it's a much harsher environment because of mm. all the things you've done before. So you might do jokes that are ruder or whatever. So I have these cards, and they will just say at a glance, I will try it 15 times, and it will have 10 A's, 3 B's, and 2 D's. And unless they're nearly all A's, then it goes in the bin. And depending on the diversion, you go, well, if it's got 10 A's and 3 B's, I'll probably still use it. Yes. If it's got a a common pattern, you would see will be something that would have 60% A's and 40% D's. And you go, and it will go really, really well or sometimes absolutely die. And you go, well, I can't use that. Yeah, it's not consistent. So I I find that really interesting. And that gives me a really easy, easy ready reckoner. So I have piles and piles of paper around my office. And I've got more low tech (laughs) as I get older. So have you got any that have annoyed you that they didn't work? That you, you personally really like? Yeah, probably. Um, let's have a, should, we have a start? should we dig into yeah, 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 this? Yeah, yes, 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 um. um, well, this right, I really like this. There's a problem with obviousness. Um, now, you know, this. some people start to anticipate your patterns, don't they? Mm. Right. So 
you can mix up your patterns and you can do different types of jokes. I like in an ideal world, I would do approximately a third of my jokes being like bad taste or dark or sick or rude or whatever. A third of them being silly. Mm -hmm. And a third of them being something you have to slightly more think about. Yeah. And that gives more texture to the show, but it also makes it harder for people to second guess where I'm going with it. Yeah. So I, that, I like that variety. And, and when would you all, group them in those sections or no, mix them up a bit? Mix, mix them, them up. up. Right. Usually. Yeah. Occasionally I might chunk a few bits for effect, but not usually. So I, I, I like when people start to second guess things. And I will try to then make that into a thing and then try to flip it around. So, but, so um, when a joke's more obvious, you've got to get to the punchline before they have. I, I've yeah. heard you talk about that. Yeah. Now, what was your example that you were talking about on it? Um, what, about speeding it up? Yes, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's a, it's a joke that's in my set now. Um, I went to the bookshop, asked the woman, and she got any books about how to pre prevent premature ejaculation. She found one, but it was too late. Oh, nice, yeah, lovely. Right. right. But I found, that, I found that when I left a gap... It didn't work. Yeah, because yeah, normally you'd put a little pause before the punchline for emphasis. Yes. You go one, two, pause, three, right? And, yep. and that, they're going to guess it. Mm. So it doesn't work. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I had a similar one. I had a joke that didn't work until I got the breathing right. Uh, it's the right formula for this sort of one liner, one long sentence with two commas. That's what I normally yeah. use. And it was, I went to see the stalactites at Cheddar Gorge, and our guide asked us not to try and crack one off, and she wasn't even that attractive. Right now, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you do that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was a classic video. Now, that joke. <laughs> only works if you take one deep breath at the beginning. Ah, okay, like that one of mine. Yeah. yeah, okay. If you breathe in the middle, that joke won't work. So when I tried that joke initially and I didn't take a big enough breath, I would telegraph the end and it would get a groan rather than a laugh. So I went to see the stalactites at Cheddar Gorge and our guide asked us not to try and crack one off. And she wasn't even that attractive. That's yeah. not funny. Do you think that is because crack one off, no matter what situation you put it in, people think... Crack one off. Yeah, your your primary meaning of crack one off is avowank. Yeah, and your second your, your secondary <laughs> meaning might be break something off. Yeah, so that's the problem that you've got. You Even want, if you're talking about the other way. Yeah, you want as a joke, you normally want the secondary meaning, mm. but that on that one, I'm using the primary meaning. So to to try and fluff that, I'm racing through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, brilliant! Absolutely. I like the fact you said fluff as well. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> completely untapped. But yeah, so that so that so that's weird. so this isn't in a similar thing. And when I when I record the laughs on these, um, I record where they come because sometimes the end of a joke isn't where you think it is, mm. you know? Um, so uh, it's been a good week for me. On Monday, I met one of my heroes, Craig David. On Tuesday, we went for a drink. <laughs> and exactly, see? There's a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So that's where I write, and that's <laughs> not where it's supposed to be, right? And the punchline is, so I avoided him on Wednesday, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I can't get to that <laughs> because you all anticipate it enough. Mm. And so what would my two options be? Normally you would say obfuscate it, make it deliberately misphrase it. So uh, um, on Monday I went on a hero as Craig David. We went for a drink. We went for, on Tuesday we went for a drink. But I'd say it obliquely. And then the next day we went for a drink rather than say Tuesday mm. to make it slightly harder. But still people get it. Yeah. And you go, well, that's, that's not working, so then that would be the next thing you'd try. The next thing I'd try would be, does it work enough that I can do it without the punchline and put it in as a show and say, hey, you know what we're doing here. Mm. I'm not even going to do the punchline to this joke and let them fill in the blanks themselves. Yeah. So that's another way I sometimes will save a joke like that and make use of it. Uh, and I haven't managed to make any of those techniques work on that. So if you've got one, I'm all ears. I really yeah. love that joke, and I can't find so, a way so, to use so it. So if, when you try it and they laugh before the punchline, yeah. 
if you let the laugh die out and then did the punchline, the punchline just wouldn't hit. Or die. Well, just I, I, completely, I mean, yeah. you had the same. When I was a new comic, I'd do that, and like the middle, the bridge of the joke or the middle bit or the setup would get a laugh. And I'd be like, well, hey, if you like that, you're going to love this next bit. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> what, um, what was the original setup again? It's been a good week for me. On Monday, I met one of my heroes, Craig David. On Tuesday, uh, we went for a drink. Uh, so I avoided him on Wednesday. It was slightly so if you went from met Craig David and then went on Monday, I met Craig David, I avoided him on Wednesday. Have you tried that? Go straight to the punchline. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, oh, and then well, I, so I saw him again on Tuesday, avoided him on Wednesday. Yeah, you could do well, that. I wouldn't yeah. have even mentioned Tuesday, so maybe. So just leave Tuesday out completely and let's let, leave that all as implicit. Everyone knows. Everybody knows. Everybody's going to jump from Monday yeah. to... From Mon- yeah. yeah, well, that's not a bad idea. Avoid, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things that you don't know until you try it. Yeah, and then, so rhythmically, I'd still be tempted to put a bit in the middle. On Monday, I met one of my heroes, Craig David, and it uh, went pretty well. And let's just say I avoided him on Wednesday. He wanted to see me again. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. He wanted to see me again. Well, yeah, so I said, right, not Wednesday. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's nice. And that's straight to the punch. <laughs> that's yeah. all right, isn't it? Yeah, or I'm busy Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that could work. Although, also, I do believe they made love on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's not... <laughs> I don't think you're safe again until Sunday when he's resting. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless that's the second punch is that you made that mistake and then saw him Thursday. Like, oh, yeah, somehow. Yeah. I don't know well, how you'd word that. See, so this is good, you see. I like this because I've abandoned it too soon. Um, and I think we have a tendency to do that. Well, I've got... I honestly think that if there's a funny idea, there is a perfect way somehow of making it work but i mean it can take five years six years oh, i've had jokes take longer than that yeah I, I, 10 or 15 at the longest really yeah, have, you got, have you got an example of what it was and then what it ended up um yeah um i had a joke i was in my last tour show to this one it was the final version of the joke was my grief counselor died recently uh and it, how did it go? I find it really hard to remember jokes when I'm on stage, but, but he was so good, I didn't give a shit. Yeah, right, yeah. That was a joke. Yeah, brilliant. I'd say that's a classic and, you joke. And that's... that, what I tried, oh, I must have done 20 or 30 versions of that over really? the years. Probably 2005, I started working on that. Yeah. Somebody, somebody was telling me about their grief counsellor, and I think somebody, somebody, somebody's grief counsellor did die. I think I was, so I remember hearing somebody say about that. And I started working on different versions, and I just could not make it work in any way. Yeah. But it, and it only worked when... A, I gave it a three-part rhythm. I gave it that little bit in the middle. Yeah. He was so good. I didn't give a shit. My grief counselor died. I didn't give a shit. Not funny. No. So that middle bit works. And then I mean, you had to get the right phrasing of the, of the punchline, something dismissive and a bit harsh and with the right sort of sounds. Mm. But I didn't give a shit. That was the right way. I've had a few, like, so there's loads of, um, another one I only got working recently because I had a joke. Uh, I've tried loads of variations on this. Um, you know, my wife always cheats at Monopoly or my wife always cheats when she's on a diet. You know, and then yada, 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 fucks other men, basically. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah. I yeah. always cheat at Monopoly. I have sex with her sister. Or, you know, that sort yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah. right? Um, not funny. So I did it, and eventually I got it to... My wife always cheats when she's on a diet. Yeah. She fucks other men, right? Not funny. But stick a middle bit in, make it a three. So if, if, if a joke doesn't work as a two-part rhythm, make it as a three-part rhythm. If it doesn't work as a three-part rhythm, make it a two-part rhythm. So I rewrote it. My wife always cheats when she's on a diet. She hides bars of chocolates around the house. And fucks other men. Nice. Right? Now, that, well, that's a funny joke. And also, got, that 
you, if they knew what was happening. Yeah, yeah. And they still laugh. Yeah. That's how good that's, it is. That, that, that rhythm is elemental. That, that three-part rhythm is absolutely basic. It's wired yeah. into humanity's brain. It's the first joke book I ever read was by Rolf Harris, believe it or not. The first, really? Right, and, uh, yeah, genuinely. It was for kids. And it was... It were, oh, oh, my it was a, And it was a literal <laughs> joke book. It wasn't a book of jokes. It was a book on joke technique and joke writing technique. So I learned the rule of three from Rolf Harris. Oh, did you? Because three is the minimum number of elements to um, set up and continue a pattern. Mm. And then break the pattern. So you, you so you got uh, you know story A continuation of story A story B. Um, yeah, we're going this way. We're going this way. Ha! Ah, now we're going this way. Yeah. Uh, so then that's why Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman, all, all those sorts of things. You set up the pattern. You continue the pattern. You create the expectation that the pattern will continue, and then you subvert the pattern with your with your third difference. Mm. Uh, so that's so that's how all these things work. And uh, you know, it's, it's it's such a powerful technique. And it, obviously, it's the same as friends, Romans, countrymen, education, education, education. You see all these things yeah. all of the time. But, um, yeah, so like, I, I fix jokes with that all the time. Another one that didn't work and wasn't funny, even, even until I put a hacky old shitty bit in the middle, I had the joke, uh, I like to think of my wife as a trophy wife because she's got the previous winner's names tattooed down her back, right? <laughs> quite funny, quite a funny joke, but much funnier if you basically nick a fucking bridge of that old shitty humorism and you go, I like to think of my wife as a trophy wife, comma, because her ears stick out, comma, little laugh, Okay. And she's got the previous winner's names tattooed down her back. Yeah. Round of applause. So that's the difference yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in rhythm. So that's so. That, but yeah. I love that because I I love those jokes because the audience think it's done. Yeah, yeah. They think, oh, that's that's an alright joke with the ears. Yeah. And, and if it is a bit of a joke, them. then hopefully you don't telegraph it too much with your voice. Yeah. As to, as to where you're going. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's yeah. So I, I find that stuff really interesting, and I think we have a tendency to ditch jokes too soon. And I will go if. A lot of these jokes, the D's and stuff, I will ditch first mm. time out. I won't even... Traditionally, people say try it three times, didn't they? Yeah. A lot of them, I just initially think, no, that's dog shit, so I won't try it twice. But nothing is ever wasted. It all goes back into the joke compost. It all goes mm. back into my piles and piles of paper, my piles and piles of notebooks and all my old computer files. Yeah. My biggest regret was for my first 10 years in comedy, I couldn't afford a computer, and I got so many missing jokes. Oh, really? I just used to use my flatmates, and I haven't got a record of loads of stuff, which oh, is a real... Right. I wish I had it now. That, but gr so, that uh, grief one you said reminds me of one that I couldn't get to work. A similar sort of style was because um, I actually the origin of it I saw this really brilliant Arnold Schwarzenegger motivational speaking um, video about um, making like the best use of your time so I was, so basically I had loads of different punches I can't remember exactly how I did it but it was something like I watched that it's brilliant I've been in bed all day watching it oh yeah or, lovely yeah. or, or it was in bed all day watching it or it was no no the original thing was it was two hours so that, that's why I found it yeah, funny, yeah. because it's still make best use of time, but I sat here for two hours watching this Lovely, thing. lovely. And that gave me the is idea. Is it a real thing, or is it just a set? No, that's a real thing. Nice, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd seen that on there, and that gave me the idea, lovely. but I've never been able to get it. I like the, I've been bed all day watching it. Yeah, yeah. Futility is one of my favourite comic themes. It's really hard to do, but when you can get it right, that is lovely. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's my, that's, that was the example I was going to say, was I know there's a perfect way for that joke. Right. I, I, I just... Because it's got everything that you need, but it's just getting that, like you say, that river. Maybe I didn't put it in a three-parter. Maybe, Maybe I didn't put it in a two-parter. Tell, tell me, so tell me it again. I mean, I can't remember exactly how it went. Um, I was watching a motivational... Vi no, mate, mate, I, I, I mean, I'm wasting time now, aren't I? <laughs> um, I, uh, <laughs> I think I took the Arnold Schwarzenegger out. I thought, I think eventually I went, well, the setup's a bit long. Yeah, I could yeah. just go, I watched a video on YouTube about make, making the most of your time. I've been bed all day watching it. That isn't how I did it, because I wouldn't have said right. watch twice. 
I, I mean, that, that's not very much use, Gary. No, it's all right. But, I, but no, I think you need to change your tag. Um, uh, you know, I, I watched this great video on, uh, you know, how to use the time more productively. It's so good. I watch it every day now. There we or go. something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, sort yeah. Of, you know, it yeah, was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the middle bit. Yeah, yeah. Those middle bits are so useful. It looks yeah. like redundant wordage. When you that's start... the same as your griefing, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so I, I use that all the time. It's such a great little technique. And you start, anyone, then you start watching people, and Jimmy Carr uses it as a lot as well, all that sort of stuff. You look for those little bridges because you start off going, I want to make it as short as possible. No, you don't. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Lou, like it's early. So, no, it's not. Yeah, but no, it's really interesting, isn't it? So, uh, you know, you, you haven't done it until you've tried it as a two party. I, I had a really short joke that I was really, because Jimmy Carr did a thing where he was like trying to write the shortest joke. Yeah, yeah. And I had one. And it just didn't work. And I don't know whether it was too niche or what. It's a Star Wars joke, and it was just Chewie's tough. Oh, that's nice. That's great. That is the best that has ever done, right? Yeah. That's annoyed me now that that worked, because that's never worked. And I didn't know whether I don't know. I think that's nice. It's just out. They're just like, oh, unless I start it with the same setup. But then it's like. Jimmy, Jimmy Carr, that's yeah. how he started yeah. that. Yeah, well, it's how you can make it as a device, but he's done it. I Maybe that's what he had the trouble with. Maybe well, he had the joke. It will be that. We, well, you, yeah. you've got, I've got this material. How can I construct a device to get this over? And that's a lot of what putting a show together is. The shortest joke I've ever got to work reliably on stage is five words, which was, bought a chameleon, lost it. <laughs> um, so that, that, and then you go look at it. It's, it's a simple little trick there. I often leave out the word I at the beginning of sentences. It's not yeah. necessary. Mm. People, are, the I is implicit, so you don't need to say it. So that that's twenty percent of you, or you know, fifteen, sixteen point six recurring percent of your words removed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that that sort of stuff is really useful. Is that how you do that joke? Because I've seen you yeah, do that joke. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to listen to myself on tape, but I, I'm sure the yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've the I is certainly silent in my notebooks. But, but you, you left a million. Long, yeah, yeah. You, you left a bigger gap though when you yeah. de normally deliver it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, normally. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I like. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a good take. The shortest joke I've ever tried. I tried to write the shortest thing, and the shortest I've ever got is just. It's just the word ampersand with the and in ampersand replaced with an ampersand. I'm that, so confused. Well, you know, like the, like, <laughs> the squiggly at means ampersand, doesn't it? The squiggly at is an ampersand okay, which okay. represents the word and, but, it, but the word and is in the word ampersand, so I replaced the word and in ampersand with oh. an ampersand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. why I don't use it even as a visual thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it even worked on Twitter oh. where people like that sort of stuff. Oh, what did I have? Oh, that was it. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Zero in on, and then in on, it'll be a zero. Oh, that's a crossword clue. Y yeah. Do, do you, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. Uh, do you sometimes so, find that you, you're basically writing crossword clues? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, totally. Or it's catchphrase, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. that's lovely. That's really nice. That's yeah, really yeah. Lovely. But I mean, that's only a visual thing, but, and I put it on Twitter and it. It's nice nothing. though, it is good, that's clever. But yeah, sometimes you get that thing, oh, it's more clever than it is funny, but that is nice. I, yeah, yeah. I can't do crosswords, and I kind of think I should be able to, but I, I, I can never make them work. Yeah, I was doing one the other day, and uh, I said to my girlfriend, the clue <laughs> is uh, lemon carbonated drink. She says Sprite, oh, that doesn't work. It's <laughs> a good joke. <laughs> Weirdly with that joke, when I've tried it, if I, if I put that first joke, so if I do a new material night, mm -hmm. first joke always works. If I put that joke in a set when there's been some really strong ones, yeah. doesn't work. It's not an A anymore and it's measured against other A's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird how that happens. Doesn't, you, can't, you can put together a set of all A's and they will stop being A's immediately. Mm. It's impossible to construct something monotone like that. It will have its own flows and you've got to work it out. Yeah, because you're competing against yourself. It's like Usain Bolt trying to set his personal best. Well, he's competing against Usain Bolt. Yeah, know, yeah. So like nine seconds is still going to be awful. You know, so yeah. It, ah, it, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, you can't, it doesn't matter how much, I always think 
Like if I drive home after a hard gig, I'd go, right, why, what went wrong? What jokes would have been good enough to save me? I love that thing. I love, what is a joke that is good enough to work even if they hate me, right? That's yeah. a really good yardstick. <laughs> um, and I think, well, what would happen if I constructed a, jo- a, se- a show of all those jokes? And the answer is it wouldn't work because they, they, they wouldn't remain A's. You, you, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's impossible. You can whittle it down. I'd say sometimes you've got to do a set and you go, well, hang on, I've got to do like 40 minutes at this gig or whatever. And you go, well, that's going to be quite hard to put it together. And you go, well, it shouldn't be hard. I've done three tour shows. I've done four Edinburgh shows. Why is it hard to put it together? Mm. Um, there's enough material there, but there's not because you put it together and it just doesn't all click. It doesn't all work. It doesn't all have the same rating. So actually, it depends if it's like your tour or it's just a general gig. Yeah, yeah. It's a million times easier to your own audience. Mm. But yeah, so you can't, just because it's an A, it doesn't mean it really is. There's A's and there's A's. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I find that stuff really interesting. You got anything else that you want to... Oh, let's pick some actual jokes and let's see if if you can figure out why some of these didn't work or see if I find something... Right, so I've got, yeah, I've got a new new little formula here I'm using. Actually, no, that's not funny. They work, so let's not do those. (laughs) Um, uh, No, because I'm going to use that in the next show. Right, this is interesting, right? And this ties into, so your crossword thing, you've got seven up, right? Yeah. Now, there isn't, a, there isn't an up in a crossword, no, is there? No, and right. that is what, one reason why I thought it might not work. Agreed. Yeah. However, it doesn't stop it, does it, right? No. Because it doesn't matter if it's a lie, mm. um, as long as people think it's true. If you've got, you know, like post-truth and whatnot, yeah. in jokes, that's fine. Mm. If you've got the accurate, if you've got, if there's a fact that 80% of people think and 20% of people know the correct fact. Yeah. If you use the 20% that, if you use the fact that 20% of people know in your joke, it won't work. Mm. Use the wrong one that 80% of people think. Ah. So you're, you're right to use 7up. It doesn't, it doesn't distract so anything a, from that. See, I had a different theory. Go on. I had the theory that in the joke, I'm the idiot. So they oh, can yeah, buy yeah. in that I just went, I'm, I, I don't know how crosswords yeah. work. So, but but they, that both of those reasons could yeah, be it. It could work, and you, yeah. you, you've got a much sillier sort of stage stick than me. So I could see, I could totally yeah. see that working. That works. So on here, this just, you can see the problem with this joke. And it, I wrote this and I thought, oh, this won't work. A <laughs> sick friend of mine got a job with MI5, did really well for himself, and sold over eight hundred kitchens. <laughs> right now, <laughs> now MFI yeah. went bust about ten years ago. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I didn't yeah, even know that. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing, right? How many people knew that MFI weren't around anymore? Yeah, right. But it does, doesn't matter, does it? It's really no. interesting, isn't it? So I, like, I looked at it and thought, oh, you know, so you can, make, you can adapt that and you can make it more accurate. But no, why? You can so, that, the joke. so that does work? Yeah, it does work. It works really well. Yeah, yeah. And partly that's because my audience are older, I guess. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, yeah. if I was playing to a bunch of college kids or whatever, it wouldn't work. But I thought that's really interesting. So I don't worry about whether it's accurate or not. No, no. And also it's so quick. Yeah. You don't really give them time to, to actually make a... Decision. Yeah, yeah, and, and also hopefully they're in joke land rather mm. than thinking these are real statements and real points of view, so they're just going with it and it doesn't actually matter. They don't actually believe. And also the story could be from could seven be. years ago, like essentially. That does bridge, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That could bridge the logic gaps. It's all in the past tense. Yeah, yeah. I find, you know, you're supposed to use present tense for writing things mm. uh, to make it seem more engaging and whatnot in storytelling and stuff. I don't use it very often. I find it quite hard to use and I find it seems unnatural in jokes right. to use the present tense a lot. I, I, I sometimes will go a little bit that way, but I nearly always use the past tense. Yeah. What, what a, lot of my, mine, a lot of mine are conversations. Right. So that's always past tense in that sense. Right. I find this, convers- this, this, oh, you, don't, you don't do that, no? A little bit. I try. I'm not very good at it. Uh, well, good. Maybe you can help me on this one then. Right. 
Because sometimes I find that conversations make it a joke that doesn't work, work. They, they, yes, they can, but I, I find it really hard to do. It's a skill I struggle with. Right, so this joke, I've tried, I think I, I got it, yeah. As in sort of saying, she said this, I said that. So you just Is literally you reported mean? speech. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I've got here. Okay. Um, I, it's just something I did on Twitter and I've rewrote it and I tried it the other week and it doesn't work and it should work. Um, one time my wife and I were at the travel agents. She said, a ticket to Belgium, please. He said, Antwerp. She said, no, he's not coming. <laughs> right. Now, <laughs> so that's a fairly simple joke. And I, I've already done the obvious thing. I did some A-B testing on that joke. I did... One of the things, if a joke doesn't work, is change the victim. So I put, that, I put two versions of that joke up on Twitter yeah. a few weeks apart, one with the joke about the, being about the husband and one with the joke about being the wife. Uh, okay. So and you're... it gets much, much funnier laugh of being about a husband. If it's about you. Yeah. yeah. Or I just, I generally, I, generally a male victim will get mm. a bigger laugh in a joke than a female victim because yeah. people are less protective. So yeah. that, that's often a trick that, that I will use in trying to fix things. So I know that is funnier with the man or me as the target. Mm. So I was trying to think, how can I do that as, um, as a joke? And I can't do it because it's reported speech and I'm, I struggle, I can't make that work. Could but, you make that did, work? How but, would you do it? But it did work. But that's because these people are too nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. So like, how inconsistent is it? Badly. Really? Because twerp isn't used much now. That might be the problem. The problem might just be that I'm 46. I, uh, I'm sorry I've got just, a joke about somebody in a wazook here. And <laughs> I just about remember twerp. Right. Well, that might, that might be the problem. Yeah, give me a hands up. Can we rename some places in Belgium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that, 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 and what, Dick. That's, yeah, yeah, let's see. Are you right? Maybe that's it. What, so how, how many people know twerp? It's all the, no offence, but... <laughs> yeah, how, many people un, how many people under 40 know twerp? And okay. who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, the okay. young, it's the younger. See, for my audience... Have you audience, done it on tour? Yes. No, no, um, no, I've tried it on tour. It's never progressed, never, never done anything. So one time my wife and I were at the travel night. Oh, uh, what about... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Does it matter that you're there? I put myself in because I was trying to square the circle and make it work as a little scene and I couldn't figure out a better way to do it. But I think it gets in the way, but I couldn't figure out a way to take me out of it. Okay, what about... My my natural go-to would be... The trouble is... Okay, I've I've already found a problem in what I was going to say. But if I, I used to work in a travel agent's... No. You could, you could just... No, because I was going to say, I was going to say, but then in my jokes, I'm the idiot. So, right. so, the mis- so it would be her misunderstanding, which I'd then, I don't like that. Um, so it would have to be me going in there, but then who am I talking about right. to misunderstand? And like you say, if it's a girlfriend, so who would be a natural person that it's all right to, your brother? You could do it that, yeah. Or, yeah. or, or, or I went a, to book. A, an unpopular celebrity. I went to, at the time, you know, a I went Piers to, Morgan or something. Is it yeah, very easy just? I went to book some tickets for me and Piers Morgan to, uh, to Belgium. To Belgium. <laughs> she said Antwerp. I went. Oh no, because. Oh no, because that way I've already told them that I want tickets for both people. Piers Morgan's wife went to a travel agent. There we go. <laughs> Lovely. I'd like. I'd like I'd yes. Tickets to done. Belgium, please. Antwerp. Now I'm going on my own. Perfect. Bang. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and also, you could st- you could be working there. Yeah, so, so I used to work in the like, uh, yeah, Morgan's yeah. wife came in. Perfect. That's great. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think that could work. This is good, this. This is fun. We should just do this every day, yeah, Gary, yeah, all right. when we're writing Can our new move shows. Up north? Yeah, yeah. We'll do this right. <laughs> well, that's good, isn't it? I like that. That's <laughs> a couple of good ones there. Uh, let's, let me just do a time check. Uh, we've got nine minutes left. So, um, just for just an in between point, I mean, you might not have any. Has anyone got any questions about anything or not? If you have, ch- ch- shout them out. About jokes or anything? If not, we just crack on. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to see we've really engaged you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, oh, go yeah. ahead. How do you remember 60 jokes in one set? How do you remember 60 jokes in one set? Well, a new material set, I don't, I just read them out. Yeah, he's just reading those out. So it's more effort to learn them than to write them. I'm only going to learn them if they're good. I always think I'm wasting brain space if I learn something that isn't worth learning. Agreed. Um, but do you mean like with like a tour show? Because you're, t- I mean, you, because I, I only ever do 50 minute shows in Edinburgh. So that's, for, I mean, I don't know, it could be from 150 to 200. But when you do your tour show, about how many are you doing? It's about 300 in this show. And in one particular week earlier this year, I also recorded two old shows at Liverpool. So for that week, I had to remember 700 odd jokes in order. So, I mean, wow. But I don't naturally have a great memory. You and Milton were both saying you've got pretty good memories. I don't. Mm. But I worked at it. I bought a book called Moonwalking with Einstein by a guy called Josh Four to learn some basic memory techniques. Okay. And it's really interesting. But the technique that I... So the, probably the most common you get a technique and question you get on this, I'm sure you get this all the time, how do you remember it? Mm. Now, and of all the skills involved in putting together a show, I reckon I could teach any one of you to remember a 200-joke sequence in an afternoon, um, providing that you already knew the jokes, which you would if you'd written them, right? But mm. if you need to remember, I need to do these 200 jokes in this order, or better still, in a flexible order, I could teach you to do that because the techniques are really simple. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but it's, it's called a memory palace. If you watch Sherlock, they'll talk about that. Mm. And it's a, it's a real thing. It's a visualization technique for remembering stuff. Your brain is a caveman's brain, right? Evolutionary, we're still running around on the plains of Africa. We haven't caught up with all of this 
all of this modernity. So you're going to struggle to remember names and numbers and abstract shit like that. But what you're not going to struggle to remember is places because that's what you are designed to do because that's what your ancestors did. So you can picture things really easily and quickly and learn places because you had to get from the cave, past the marshes, to the berries and then back via, you know, avoiding the neighbouring tribe or whatever fucking shit it was, right? <laughs> so you learn things really quickly. If you want to get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet without waking up your partner, you have a visual map of your room in your head and you don't need to turn the light on because you know my bed's here, my bedside table is here, there's a pile of clothes there that I haven't put away, and so on and so on, and you could do all that. Now, if you were staying in a hotel, you could learn all of that in two or three days really quickly, and you'd have that cognitive map. So you take what you learn really quickly and easily, places, and you map what you want to learn onto it. So my first live at the Apollo, I learnt a 105-joke sequence to that, um, which was the jokes I'd agreed with the producers, and that took me about two hours to learn. And you do... I use... Um, you take what you know, so I use my house, mm-hmm. and you create an extremely vivid mental image for each joke, each joke that you want to remember, as graphic and as outrageous as possible, and you put them around your house, and then you mentally walk around inside your head. So uh, most tour shows, I wake up in bed first thing in the morning, and the first joke is next to me in bed. It's one of the reasons why I very often start with a self-deprecating sex joke. Well, obviously, a self-deprecating start is a good way to get people on side and yeah. low status and all that stuff, or pretending to be low status. Um, so, um, but my last tour show is probably easy to remember. So the last tour show opened with a joke about um, neighboring towns, and the neighboring town to me is a little northern town. I think of it as like a sort of a Lowry town, so I have an image of that town in bed next to me. I have smokestacks, there's matchstick men and dogs running around, there's smoke coming out of the towers, and I can smell the sulfur, and there's a there's like a horn blasting, I can hear the sound of the horn and people leaving and men going to work, right? And status quo are at the end singing about it or whatever. Yeah. So all of this stuff is in there, and that image is as bright and vivid as possible. And you, you remember that image very easily, once you yeah. put it in there, it will stay in your head for ages. The second joke in that show was about, the joke was, uh, I'm a lot sportier than I might look. In fact, I picked up a little niggle at the gym the other day. I mean, he pronounces it Nigel. Yeah. So, right, that was the joke. <laughs> so I had, I had two friends at college who were both called Nigel. Yeah. And on my bedside table, there was basically an image of them bumming. Right. <laughs> sorry, sorry if any of them are listening, by the way, because that was really graphic, exaggerated image, right? Is that actually there in your house? Yeah, yeah, I made the, made the statue and everything. No, it's yeah. just created a mental image of that because that's a shocking, outrageous image that you don't forget. The third show in that joke, wow. that show was about it's a voyeur. in my head now, yeah. And it's, yeah, that's and I, great. I, I, next thing in the room is the bedroom window. I had a huge, giant Godzilla eye looking through the window, all bloodshot, staring at me. Once that image is there, this show was years ago, and I still remember every... You know, as the last joke in the show was about the woman next door, the girl next door. So as I walk out the front door of the house, there she is looking over the fence. So mm. you create all of those images and you put them around your house. So that's how you remember a, a show. Wow. And it's, it's actually relatively easy to do once you get you just have to you make the image as exaggerated as possible but that's all of the, all of those like professional gamblers and memory experts and hypnotists and whatever that's those are all, all those tricks are visual tricks and of, of all the skills involved in putting together a show of jokes that's the easiest to learn wow i think that's quite a thorough answer oh we've got uh, more, it's is, a lot another hand up are you just gonna say that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i remember you how do you Trial des- and error. How do you decide which order to put the jokes in? Right. Um, partly I have a, a judgment on how strong the joke is as to where it goes in the set. The, the, the later in the set, the stronger it has to be, or it mm-hmm. won't work. Um, I put it in an order where the punchline isn't given away by any of the six preceding jokes. So there's nothing too similar to, let you, to have you already thinking of the way that I'm going to try and slip you into. Um, and a lot of the rest is 
just juggling it together and trying to pace them so I've got an A and then I've got a B and then I've got another B and then I've got an A and go, right, this is the start of the show. Can I get away with a few weaker ones here because they're probably more focused? And, you know, so some of that is just creating a little pattern. I don't cluster too much by topic mm. um, because I find it sometimes telegraphs where you're going with it, plus I'm not very good at it. Mm. So what do you, how do you order yours? Um, mine tend to be in topics, loosely. That's interesting. And is that for memory or does that, does that, does that help the jokes? That's, I think it's... I don't. I think it's. I think it is a memory thing, but also sometimes you can convince them that there is some sort of logical story to what you're doing when Pe- there really isn't. People do now. I, I think even even Emo Phillips spoke about it, didn't he? He will try to cluster things together and link things. And mm. again, I guess it's an attempt to have that relatability and have people buy into it as if it's slightly more real than it seems yeah. to be. So I don't know. I mean, I, one of my targets, my next tour, is to learn how to link jokes and to try to construct a little narrative. And I've tried, and I'm not very good at it, but I'm going to try. Because that's learn. what Milton said. He started in the last couple of tour shows. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah I think it is a good technique together. if you can do it. Um, Glenn Moore's very good at that. Right. He he's because well, he's not I guess he's not strictly one-liners, but he, he's close to one-liners, I'd say. And his are, his shows are always linked as if it's like a story. Oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna, mm. Right, I might listen to that. Um, yeah, I, I struggle with it, but I think it's a powerful technique, and I I don't use it. The other thing I'm going to try and learn is how to write longest-form pub jokes. Okay. Um, and I don't know of any textbooks or theory on how to write longer form projects. I've never seen any. I'd love to know. Mm. I don't know if there are any rules. Um, I think they all grew organically back in the day. Yeah. So I'd like to know how, how they're constructed. I think they were just passed, you know, they're, they're all blind watchmaker stuff as they got passed from people to people and comic to comic and all mm. got adapted and learned and evolved. So I'd, li- I'd like to know how to write those. I'd love to be able to write the three-legged pig joke and things like that. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, that would be amazing if I could do that. And that's something I struggle with. That's my next big target. Next tour show. Well, it's thing I'm going to try and learn. I might fail. Yeah. If, it's, if, I, if I'm no good at it, it won't go in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we are, I mean, that's, I mean, we're, that is exactly on time. Uh, fa- thank well, you so. Oh. Yeah, I did tread on a spider earlier, so I think we've got seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, what, a, what an end to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being an awesome audience and listening to us. Let's hear it for uh, my guest today. It's Gary Delaney. I'll be Miles Simmons. Thank you very much. Cheers. All right. We're in the West. The Wild West. The Wild West. Wiki Wiki Wild West. Jim West. Uh, that's Gary Delaney. What a podcast. Um, Go oh, on, Gary. Good good one, Gary. Um, po- I After the podcast that we were chatting, they were like, we could have just kept going. Like, there's yeah, so wow. much. Well, let's we have could- him back. No, no, we've, we've already sorted that. When I'm when I'm near where he lives, I'm going to pop in and we're going to record another one. Yes, please. Yeah. Will the um, audience still be there? Uh, they can come. Well, yeah. I don't know. He's, he didn't specify, but uh, I'll ask him. Show up with them. Or, or probably won't. What's Thirsk like? I, d- I didn't get a chance to look around. I, s- I parked in the Tesco car park. What was that like? Normal. How big a Tesco? Supermarket. Hmm. Like, I'd say a, a t- not a town. Normal town. Not one of the so really big Tesco. Not a super superstore. Are they called e- Extra? Yeah. The massive ones. Yeah, not one of them. A supermarket. Not the one that's like a double decker supermarket. Yeah, that sells like too many clothes. That's the difference, I think. And houseware. Mm. Um, It's like a normal one would have one option of like plates. Yeah. But I think an extra. Tesco extra. Four. four. Yeah. I was going to say four. Plate variances. Um, 
So great. How many yeah. plates oh, do you own? How many plates do I own? I don't own any actually, oh, because cool. I moved in somewhere eat? where they oh. already lived, my flatmates. And oh, we've had a conversation like this before that you don't really own anything. What? You don't really own any furniture or anything, do you? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sure you've said that. No, we haven't had that conversation. I own you don't a, own any plates or a I fork own a TV or anything. And own a sofa. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's all you need. I own. Uh, yeah, I don't know much. <laughs> 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 you don't own any fucking plates. No, but I use other people's plates. What's the point How of old are you? plates? There's not enough. How old are you? I'm, well, I'm old I'm enough to have your own plate. I ought to have one plate. Well, I did have plates, and then I moved somewhere where I don't. What did you do? What plates. you smash them on the floor? Yes, it was, it was a Greek wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Mark used to live in a Greek wedding venue. I used to yeah. live in a Greek wedding. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. What's happening? I don't know. Next week, what's going on? <laughs> next week! I don't know what's happening next week, Joel. Someone, um, it'll be someone brilliant. Well, we've got quite a few. So we've had some, like, what you'd consider big hitters. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I don't want to say the next people aren't big hitters, mm-hmm. but they might not be your, your TV, but... Yet. But we've recorded some really great podcasts yeah. from cracking circuit comedians mm-hmm. and a professor of comedy. <sighs> Oliver Double. I feel like that one's coming now. I feel like that one's going to be the next one. All right. Because it's a bit different. Yeah. Because he, he, he teaches uh, comedy. Laughter. Uh, is he a comedian? He was. Uh, no, no, he is. He's more of a comedian than Bill Murray. <laughs> That's a statement, isn't it? Bloody oh, hell. Maybe I'll, I'll retract that. Well, I'm retracting that. I'm going to wait to see what the response is. Because has, Bill Murray, has Bill Murray written his own stuff? He must have written something. Was it? He was. Was he on Saturday Night Live in the day? I don't know. I was watching. He's definitely on that, probably from like is, is a, some a, sort of Chicago he's improv. Is a, he? a top recommendation. Yeah. Um, Netflix, the movies that made us, four episodes, and it goes through some of the old classic movies and in depth. Mm-hmm. And Ghostbusters is one of them. Uh, and um, but it hasn't mentioned Bill Murray being on Saturday Night Live because it because what's his name was. He first rose to fame on Saturday Night Live. Did he? Earning himself an Emmy Award. Oh, God, I feel like an idiot. Well, let me tell you that... Um, but he doesn't write that Wikipedia, stuff. Wikipedia. Oh, do Wikipedia lists him as an American actor. Actor? And, and comedian. And comedian. Well... Many has- strings to that man's bow. Hashtag Bill Murray Awooga. Good on him. Good on him, the old boy. Can we edit it so that it sounds like I was pro Bill Murray being a comedian? I wasn't saying that he's not a comedian. It's I just, just well, interesting that I, you hate Bill Murray. I don't hate <laughs> Bill Murray. I'm performing inside him <laughs> on, tonight at 630 <laughs> uh, Alright, that's it. I think he's great. But obviously I, I wasn't... Like he wasn't... He, I didn't go and see him do stand-up. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't know what his background was. I just know him from cracking films. And I didn't know if he wrote them, Joel. Uh, where are we? What's it's it's time to go. What's that noise? It's time to go. What the hell's that? That's my phone. Oh, it's... the Adam um, Buxton podcast. Adam Buxton podcast. Oh, there you go. That count. He's a guest now. Does that count as him being a guest? Yep. <laughs> he is, technically, his voice. Gary Delaney and Adam Buxton. What an episode. <laughs> That's it. We've got, we've got to go descend into madness. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.